Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Valentina. Hey, Paula. And hello, everybody. And welcome to another episode of Pretty Mental. Today, we sat down and we dove into the the fear of death. death. (laughs) But don't be scared. It was good. We talked about how ultimately a lot of our controlling issues, for those of us who are a little more controlling and anxious, they come from the fear of death. Uh, subconsciously that's the ultimate fear that we can have so we dove deeper into what that means and how those two things are connected for you guys we also talked about how each of us personally used to be very controlling and what What? we did in order to balance that out in order to not suffer in that control anymore because it can be a really debilitating habit to have exactly so not only what we did, but also just the situations in life that kind of led us to releasing some of that control and took us to where we are now. And we also talked to you guys about how we can figure out what the right balance is between moving towards the life that we want and working for the life that we want and also letting go of the outcomes at the same time. I feel like you just said also a kabillion times, but we talked about a lot of stuff. So dive in, listen with us. We think you guys will enjoy it. And if you guys like this podcast, go rate and review us. It helps us get some engagement going. So they'll find us somehow in the charts of podcast land and more people can listen to us. And also, (laughs) the reason that we're talking about this right now is because so much of our control has been taken away from us with the COVID-19 current circumstances. And I'm, and I, as you guys are going to hear me talk about in the podcast, there is a second wave of anxiety coming up as a result of it. So that America can't get their shit together. Yeah. So that's basically what this podcast is addressing for y'all. All right, you guys, here we go. So take in a deep breath with us. And press play. So the other day we were out with a few friends and the craziest thing happened. We started talking about death. Don't tune out, guys. Don't tune out. (laughs) We're starting strong. Listen. I'm going right to it. This is important. I don't know if you've heard other... Have I talked about my relationship? Yes, I have. My relationship to death. Maybe a little bit. On on the ayahuasca podcast. Okay. Yeah. Forever ago. Basically... I've had this fear of death because I don't want to leave my family behind. It's not so much that I'm scared to die. It's that I am scared of leaving my friends and my family behind. And every time I say that, it feels so just like self-absorbed because it's like they can't live without me and I know they can. But I just makes me really sad to think that they're going to have to overcome these crazy hurdles of grief in order to 
live without me. <laughs> so you can see that I've thought about this a lot. But Paul and I were hanging out and we realized why I'm actually scared of leaving the earth. And it was because she's scared to leave me. Literally. <laughs> so now it's about me. It's not a joke. We figured it out that if you heard our first podcast ever, you guys, if you haven't, go back and listen to it. It gives you a reason as to why we even started Pretty Mental. Our cousin commit suicide. And we talk about that in the first podcast. But my reaction to seeing Paula's reaction to our cousin's death was really, really scary. I remember thinking that we lost Paula that because Paula and our cousin Maria were best friends. So her reaction was just, I mean, she lost it. And I remember thinking like, oh, I lost my sister. We're not getting her back because you went kind of crazy completely. You never know how you're going to react to grief, yeah. especially death, because it's so finite. Yeah. So finite. It's the, it's the ultimate if you if we think we have control over life, death is the final gets the final say and it shows us like nope, nope, you're just along for the ride. Yeah. So anyway, I think like that really just got into my mind and me thinking Cuz how old were you? You were like 12, 11, 11 or, or yeah. yeah. Yeah, you you were 11. Yeah. That's really young. I remember just thinking 11 or 12. And that's what we think like my whole I'm I'm afraid of leaving my family behind because I I've already seen the possible reaction. Yeah. Well, it was vicarious her. trauma. Yeah. Essentially. Because, of course, you were sad that you, we lost her, but that wasn't the hardest part for you. The hardest part for you was witnessing how hard it was for other people, especially for me. Yeah. Um, you completely were debilitated after that. Yeah. Like, didn't you not talk? I was 16, and, yeah, I stopped talking for a week because I felt like no matter what I said, it wouldn't make a difference. And if y'all heard the last podcast, you see that I have some codependent tendencies <laughs> and Paula being completely debilitating, debilitated to me. I was just like in so much pain. That's wild. And you were obsessed with me. Yeah. Growing up. Yeah, I was really. <laughs> I was literally Valentina's hero. Yeah, I used to quote Paula in all my papers when I was in elementary school. It's as Paula Sinistera once said, and I would start all my papers like that. That's so funny. I know. Or in the words of Paula Sinistera, Valentino's the yeah. first person ever quoting me. Yeah. And then throughout the page, I would be like, and Miss Sinistera also <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> but to me, it was completely normal. Like, I really didn't think anything i was in fifth grade or like fourth grade and still i had this kind i was getting quoted in papers by valentina so that was our relationship and she would follow me around and she would come home from school and the first words out of her mouth when she would come home from school and the door would open would be paula yeah and you would yell and i could hear from my room and i'd be like oh lord (laughs) and then she would come into my room and tell me all the stories about everything that happened to her during the school day so i mean if we just kind of go back into the mind of that of a child that sees their older sibling as their hero then to witness at such a young age me going through that grief it was super jarring i mean i would cry if you took a shower without me literally so it's very much like oh our life stopped it just stopped so for a while after that, I would have, I had a seriously scary relationship to death thinking, oh, there's just, even when on my ayahuasca experience, when I died, 
I remember begging them, them, the spirits, every, the people on the, in the realm that I was in saying, no, 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 no. You've got to let me back down. There's no way. No one was prepared for this. You have to let me back down. Yeah, it was really scary. So death is the ultimate fear of loss of control. Mm -hmm. And we started off this podcast with that because right now we are being faced more obviously than maybe ever, at least in our lifetimes, with loss of control very acutely in our faces with COVID-19 and the breakdown of the system, which has needed to break down and hopefully we can build healthier systems. Obviously, you guys know how we feel about systemic oppression and all of that stuff. But what I'm witnessing is that there is a second wave of anxiety that's happening right now amongst people, especially in the U.S. I'm not sure how you guys are holding out in other countries entirely, but in the U.S. we've done a very, we haven't done the best job at all, not even close, at containing this virus. And we're literally, we're not allowed to travel to Europe. <laughs> we're not allowed to, it just has kept growing. A lot of things have been limited. And not only that, while everything is being limited, we're seeing at least in Atlanta, Georgia, we're seeing Kemp, was it? Yeah, Trying Governor to sue Kemp. Keisha uh, for telling us to wear masks. So it's like, wait, what? So we've got no control over anything. No, the leadership is very confusing. So all that everybody can kind of do is be in the moment and take things one step at a time. And the whole death conversation comes up in this because, again, that's the ultimate loss of control. And for you, Valentina, I think that's when you're con like, you, you want to talk about your relationship with control? Um, I mean, what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I, is, that's when you're struggles with control issues maybe got started I don't know maybe the codependency thing but at the at the root you know this is when I work with clients on anxiety and panic attacks and things of that nature a lot of times at the root 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 of it like when we peel is back fear of the death? layers is fear of death no way yeah wow that's the ultimate thing that hangs over humans you know what I remember after Maria died, so you used to be, Paula was very type A. Paula had her room in like pristine condition and nothing was out of place. And then after I, Maria- I looked perfect every day. My outfits were polished from top <laughs> to bottom. I was a cross country runner. I had straight A's. I was in all these organizations. And then after she died, you were not- like that the anymore. pendulum swung uh, completely she stopped like her room started being messy she stopped caring about anything you went total type b total just like i don't care about anything anymore it's whatever everything is just what it is i actually remember reading a book by robert green and 50 cent where 50 cent was talking about how after his mom was murdered he just honestly stopped caring about everything because once you lose someone that is just so close to you nothing in this world is going to scare you like that. So you almost speak control. You lose. Death stops having a grip on you. Yeah. You are basically shown that you actually are not in control. Yeah. That's really what it is. It, when you experience the, mo the thing that you most fear, if you allow the messages to come through of what that's there to teach you and you don't just allow it to shrivel you up 
super tightly because that does happen too. Mm-hmm. You are shown that you're not in control. And I remember, and this is probably, I don't know what you guys believe, but we do believe, or at least I believe, I think you do too, that when somebody is about to die or somebody has just passed, their spirit communicates with you, especially then. That's when that communication is the most active. And I remember that the day before it happened, I had worked on this project really hard to get one of my artworks to be the cover of the magazine of this school magazine. And I worked on it really hard and I submitted it. And after I submitted it, they, the person that had asked me to do it said, oh, no, we're actually not going to go with that anymore. And normally I would have been super upset because up until then, and this comes with privilege too. So sometimes, actually a lot of times, having having a lot of privilege throughout life can predispose you to being a more anxious person. That makes so much sense. That's yeah. why you see like o- opioid crises uh-huh. in upper because you're used to getting your way. You're very used to getting your way in marginalized communities. The anxiety disorders comes more from trauma and privilege for people that have experienced economic privilege and have social privilege it's more about not being in control just very small comfort zones and up so up until then I felt that if I worked hard enough and life had shown me that if I worked hard enough I could get whatever I wanted I could do whatever I wanted things came easy essentially I if I wanted to be a runner I was a pretty good runner if I wanted to get straight A's all I had to do was study and I just happened to the education system just happened to work with my type of intelligence if I wanted to I mean just just name it it wasn't that difficult for me I mean we were immigrants and we experienced some hardships through that but overall relatively I had this idea and we were told this a lot growing up not necessarily by our parents but just socially that if you work hard enough you can get whatever you want and mm-hmm. if you just do enough life will sh- will happen the way that you want it to happen I think that's part of living in America that's the American dream that's fed to you in one way or another that's the myth of meritocracy yeah and so I, I, I was actually a very anxious person. You saw me as type A, but I was a very anxious person, which I guess they go kind of hand in hand. Yeah. And because I just was in control of, of everything. I was just in control. So I submitted this assignment and they said, no, we're not going to go with it. And normally because of that temperament that I just described, I would have been so upset. I would have been just very upset about it. And my friend came up to me and they asked me, oh, are you upset that you didn't get it? And instead of feeling any kind of way about it, I felt so peaceful. And this was the day before Mechis died, Maria. And I we said, call her Mechis. Yeah, we call her Mechis. And I said to them, mm, there's bigger things in life. Just very peaceful. And then the next day she passed away. And that was, I I still remember that moment very clearly when that person, and I was surprised by my answer because that was just not my temperament at that point. You think your, your spirits were connected Mm -hmm. and you just knew. Yeah. I think I knew, I kind of knew it was coming. Yeah. And I did when she passed away, I asked to be driven when she, when she killed herself, I asked to be driven to go see my mom by one of my friends. Before, this is before Paula knew. Before I even knew nobody. Okay. So I skipped school the day that she died that she killed herself I just did I was in a weird mood 
and I said, and I texted my friend and I said, you know, I just, I just don't want to go to school today. And they were like, okay, let's go to downtown Atlanta. That was a super fun experience for us because we lived in Alpharetta and we just didn't go into the city. So we went to downtown Atlanta and then around, I forget what time of the day it was, but it was around the time when she actually did kill herself. I felt this wave of sadness coming over me and I asked my friends to just drop me off at my mom's um, job. She worked at Barnes and Nobles back then and I normally would never have done that because I mean, I'm going to get in trouble. I was skipping. Yeah. And then as soon as I got there and I saw my mom, I started crying. And then that's, she already knew what had happened. I didn't. And then they told me and and so on and so forth the rest is history but it was after that that you basically kind of saw me losing it and I went to the other side I I let go of a ton of control as a result of her passing away Mm -hmm. because I realized that it, it was a huge lesson up until that point no matter what I wanted to do I could get it and the moment that she was no longer here on earth. It, I, it, the pendulum swung so far that I said, I can't even use my voice. My voice doesn't even matter. That's literally why I stopped talking. And I was like, my voice doesn't even matter. It makes no difference. What I do makes no difference. I almost went into a state of learned helplessness for a little while. Learned helplessness is a psychological term that basically means that it's when you just kind of accept things as they are, no matter how shitty they are, and you just don't even try. So... If you're in an abusive relationship, people pick up those tendencies or whatever. But I went into that state and so I stopped talking and and I went into that deep, deep grief. And that is when you saw that. Yeah. So after that, my relationship with control has been pretty chill, I would say. I came back and I found a middle ground at some point. But after her passing, my relationship to that ultimate loss of control got kind of healthy and the reason that we're bringing this up right now at this particular moment is again because we are facing as an american society that for the most part the culture here has been you can have your way yes entitled entitled you can have your way and so as a result of that but not for everyone. Not for everyone. Exactly. So that's why I say for the most part. Yeah. It's just the culture here. And even the people, the communities that are marginalized still buy into that story. It's super oppressive. But that story is super perpetuated here in the United States that if you work hard enough and you hustle enough, you can get whatever you want and yeah. life can go your way. It's a big part of the American culture even regardless of how much of a lie it actually is. And right now, all of that whole ideology is being dismantled right in front of us. And ultimately, it manifests as anxiety because now we we don't know when this virus is going to be over. We don't know if we go see our parents, are we going to get them sick or not? We don't know. If I go to the superstore or to the supermarket, am I going to catch the virus? I don't know. I can, can I travel to this other country and go on vacation? Can I, you know, even if I buy my ticket, can I know that I'll be able to go when that time comes? I don't know. There's so many I don't knows. Am I going to accidentally be the vector for Corona and pass it on to anybody that I interact with? I don't know. And even that, just what's going to happen to our country with the way that, 
you know, leadership is just so messed up. Mm-hmm. So we have two options right now. We have the option of holding on as tightly as possible to control. And this is when people start picking up compulsions because if it's something that is beyond that you can actually do something about, then you'll start doing other things. So like compulsively checking the news or turning to different escapes or seeking reassurance compulsively. So for a lot of people that experience anxiety, health anxiety is a huge thing. So that's coming up a ton and asking, you know, is it safe for me to go to this place? Is it safe for me to go to that place? Nobody can tell you. Nobody can for sure tell you yes or no. And that's the whole treatment of anxiety is helping everyone lean into the uncertainty of it. How do we create a healthier relationship with the gray area? And in order for our mental health to be okay right now, it is super important that we lean into that question. So for you, what has helped you get a healthier relationship with that gray area? For me, step one was just seeing that I had a more, I had more controlling tendencies, that I needed certain things to be a certain way in order to be comfortable or that I needed to know for sure that something was going to happen or was not going to happen. I think I just stopped caring altogether. I kind of hit that tipping point of where I was, I thought to myself, this, I can't keep doing this. There's no way that I'm going to get comfortable enough and be reassured enough in order to let go. There's my threshold is only going to get, is only going to grow smaller because if I continue to need reassurance and I continue to need everything to be perfect in order for me to be okay. And compulsively planning out what the future is going to look like. And planning it out. If I continue to allow myself to fall into those patterns, all I'm doing is just really calcifying this habit of mine. So I realized I started just playing with it. Like what, what would happen if I, if I didn't know what would happen if, you know, and meditation actually does help a lot with it because in meditation, it, it takes you out of your thoughts a bit, takes you back into your body, into your sensations Right. So again, and this is something we we said a lot in the last podcast, it's not black and white. It's not. And there's so many layers to it. We don't want you guys to give up your sense of self-efficacy, which means your sense that you can actually do something about life and, and have some kind of agency about the direction that your life goes. That's beautiful. It's empowering. You should hold on to that. However, at which point are you holding on to that so tightly that now you are suffering? So that is where that question kind of comes in. And here's the thing about human life is that, again, with the conversation on death and everything, it's super fragile. At any point, anybody can just go. That's just the reality of it. It's so crazy. Sometimes I really, it'll sit there and hit me that that nothing is promised nothing nothing you don't know that one of us are going to walk out of this room and something's going to happen or someone that we love or you just never know and to me the conversation the reality of death has been just so at the top of my mind and not in a scary way or because I I think that when we talk about death or even the word death can have such like a, a heavy energy to it unfortunately 
hopefully we heal that. But I, I did a meditation on death the other day and I'm reading a book right now about also, we keep saying the freaking title wrong, but it's journey of souls, journey of souls about what happens after you die, but before you're born. So just getting really comfortable with not looking at that married to earth and not being married to this physical space. And even that needs to not be black and white because sometimes people take it to such an extent that they don't even want to be human anymore. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, again, it's not about us fighting our humanity and not wanting to be here and to say no death and like the afterlife or whatever it is, transcending enlightenment, all that stuff. That's what I'm going for. Or I just want to be as human as possible. How can we again find the middle ground? For me, I have found that contemplating death and meditating on it and really just allowing myself to get gently curious about it it has really allowed me to figure out what really matters and what doesn't because if you're really just at peace with the flow of life and what is going to happen and that maybe someone you love could be ripped apart from you any day and it's not like I'm super at peace with it and it's like all good not at all yeah I mean of course it's gonna hurt and but I'm just more aware of it so if something happens here on earth like a car accident or whatever, name your thing. And I don't know, I find it very hard to get shaken up to the extreme that maybe in the past it would have because I have a bigger picture on what life is. And I also understand that I have no control. And after doing ayahuasca, both of those times and really being taken to a different realm, I realized that there's so much that we don't know. Mm -hmm. And there's so much that we have no, I mean, you guys, for real, I wish I could just draw a picture and show you what I saw. There's so much we don't know. The next day after I did that second ayahuasca, which I've actually never talked about on this podcast, but I should because it very much predicted what is happening right now. Should you talk about it now? No, we'll save it for another one. Cliffhanger. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. But I almost had a panic attack. No, I'm sorry. I had a panic attack because panic attacks are all about fear of losing control all of a sudden i i just there it was so much information that my brain was incapable of holding i was shown too much i was i was did not even could not even my little human brain could not even grasp everything that i was shown so I'm just so hyper aware of we can't control everything. And that's why it's so important to get your head out of the media and get your head out of your phone because it kind of creates this little reality for you of, and it tells you, it feeds you what's important, what's not important. This is how you're going to be accepted. And this is how you will be beautiful. And this is how everything will be perfect. It feeds you mm-hmm. everything that you need to know. And that I think makes you more controlling. Mm-hmm. Instead, if you if you say, yeah, even even the idea of when you get all this stuff, that's when you're going to be happy. So then you become very obsessed with managing outcomes so that you can have your life pan out in that exact way. And you don't even know that that's going to make you happy. You don't. And control puts you in such a little box. It puts you in a box. It thinks it makes you believe that you have the reins and that you're choosing the right life for you but it really puts you in a box. It gets you wanting to see the full picture before you even have all the pieces of data. It gets it, it some a metaphor that I use a lot is that we tend to want to put 
the puzzle together before we even have all the pieces. And the truth about life is that truly it's revealed to us one step at a time. So I think the balance is how can I do my best and let go of the outcome at the same time? I was listening to Eckhart Tolle last night or the night before. Something you just said reminded me of this. He was saying how when there is an actual problem, it's much easier to act on what needs to happen in order to fix it. But if it's all in your head and you're trying to navigate a world inside of your head before it even happens, that's where anxiety and panic attacks come from because you're trying to act where no action can really be taken. And so your mind starts spinning, trying to make up for it. The mind feels that it's doing something when it's planning out and spinning and trying to predict, it feels that it's actually doing something. And to some extent, it's okay to plan. And this is like a very nuanced thing that you kind of just have to work with and get used to. It's okay to plan. It's important to plan. But you also have to release some of the outcome. And if you are planning and frantically spinning, that means that you are trying to avoid the vulnerability of being in this moment. Because this moment, to allow yourself to be fully here, requires some vulnerability. It requires us feeling safe enough in our bodies to be okay with being here. That's why the mind is, when we are not okay with the emotions that are coming through. So maybe everything that's happening is bringing up feelings of grief. Or maybe everything that's happening is bringing up some fear. If we can't sit with that fear, however that shows up physically in our body, if we can't sit with it and hold it, the mind to try to avoid us feeling that will start spinning and it'll start running away from the sensations. It'll preoccupy our focus and our consciousness so much that we're not even in feeling our bodies anymore. And we think that that's what's going to make us feel better, allowing that compulsive thinking to take over. However, that's not the medicine that we actually need. The medicine that we actually need is to notice when our mind is spinning and come back into the body. To also notice when you have discomfort rising in your body and to really sit with it and come back. Because the other day I was really distressed. I was bored and distressed at the level of heat in the world (laughs) and that I couldn't leave the house and do anything. And the only thing that felt right was almond butter, (laughs) truly. So I just ate so much almond butter and I was like, what am I doing? Because I, I'm so uncomfortable that I need the only happiness that I can get right now is literally from almond butter. Yeah. And then I realized it's a funny example, but it really hit me as, as it was happening. It's so, no, it's actually super real because emotional eating is definitely increasing right now. Understandably so. Which is another podcast we need to have very soon. But yeah. So as, as I was eating that to try to get some level of like serotonin in me some happy chemicals I realized hmm so I'm really actually running away from the uh, from the discomfort I feel right now I wonder what would happen if I mean it was already too late at that point but the next time I feel this (laughs) I was already too deep in it was too delicious you were not about to stop me no way no how but the next time where this happens, as I eat my almond butter, <laughs> having philosophical thoughts, what would happen if I just sat with it and really just like, like you, it almost turns into a meditation because you kind of have to just sit in 
turned into the emptiness and into the stillness and into your body. So coming back to the sensations. And I actually did do it a few days later when I felt kind of distressed again. I just turned inward and I felt the energy in my body and I felt like little vibrations in my joints and it felt like a little bit of butterflies in my stomach or like a boulder in my stomach or whatever. I don't remember exactly, but it was just these sensations. I was able to trace back down to it. And then at the end of the day, that's all that they were. They were just uncomfortable sensations that once I sat with them, they were seen, they were held and they lived the life they needed to live for that day. And then they, they went away. But a lot of us tend to go into coping mechanisms where we allow our minds to run wild or we turn to, to run away, to run away or we turn to a substance. And when I say substance, I literally mean like everything that yeah. you put in your system could be our phones. I'm guilty of that. You turn to something that is going to numb you from feeling what's going on inside of your body. Humans, we have such funny relationship with our bodies. It's hard for us to just be in these things. Because this is where everything is going on. <laughs> the body is our anchored to the present moment no matter where the mind wants to run to no matter where the mind is the one part of you that is always here no matter what is your body so if we can befriend it and actually like you said sit with the emotion that is the medicine that you need because what we don't realize is that we are afraid of those sensations we have become so habituated to running away from them we don't even know that that's what we're doing anymore we think oh no, I am solving a problem. That is why my mind is spinning is because it really matters that this particular situation works out in this particular way. So I just have to let my mind spin right now. But what's really happening is that the mind has a knee-jerk reaction to any uncomfortable sensations that are coming up to it likes to be congruent. It's congruent with the sensations and it, it just it likes to play protagonist. The human mind just loves to play protagonist. We have to kind of rein it in and train it to let us be in our body. Because as soon as these sensations starts coming up, it starts saying, I have to come up with a story. I have to come up with a plan. I have to come up with something. Or I need to seek reassurance. I need to ask this person. I need to see if like someone needs to satiate my thoughts. Something or someone needs to satiate my thoughts. Yeah. And that is not the medicine because what the mind is reacting to is the sensations in your body. So if you are able to, instead of going into the compulsive thinking, flip things around and go back into your body, you're going, you're literally facing into your deepest fear. We don't even realize that we're afraid of it because we're so used to running from it that we just think, no, I just, I just want to feel better. But why do you need to feel better? Go back into your sensations. The sensations, the practice of going back into our, sens our sensations is a huge act of surrender. And the human mind, obviously, it doesn't like that. It likes to be in control. It likes to think that it's going to be able to predict. It likes to think that it can figure out what other people are thinking. It likes to think, you know, to, to go over scenarios and and take them apart enough to understand what could have possibly gone wrong or how people could have judged you. It just, it likes to do all that, but it's not even doing anything. Cause at the end of the day, all those things are super gray area. People may or may not have judged you. 
that thing may or may not work out. Go into your body and you can do some planning. But if it's if your mind is racing and you're compulsively Googling and, or you're compulsively seeking reassurance or you're compulsively taking substances, rest assured that you are running from the sensations in your body. So the moment that you turn it around and say them, tell the mind, thank you, I appreciate you wanting to be helpful. And I'm just going to sit with this. We're just going to sit with it. It's okay. It's uncomfortable, but I'm safe. It's uncomfortable. I'm not about to die. We can, we can sit here. We can be here. And when we do that, we're literally facing our biggest fear. You know, beyond that, our biggest fear is death. That's the ultimate loss of control. But as a society, we have unconsciously and blindly become very fearful of our bodies <laughs> and the sensations in them. And granted, I will say that if you have experienced trauma, your body inherently does not feel like a safe place to be because your nervous system learned with your nervous system located in your body learned to be on high alert because you experience a situation that you did not have the resources to navigate. So that is a huge shock to the human being. It makes you feel that you're not safe. If you weren't able to navigate that situation and it exceeded your coping, your coping skills and just completely like obliterated you one way or another, suddenly life gets really scary and your nervous system gets really, really activated. So before you can even really engage with these practices that we're talking about, if there is trauma, that needs to be healed. The trauma needs to be healed first. How do you do that? There's different methods for it. It's not a one size fits all. I work on healing trauma with my clients through hypnotherapy. That's a modality that I practice. Uh, people do EMDR. What can, if you don't have access to therapy right now, if someone is listening to this and they have experienced trauma, but they really are working on letting go and coming back into their body and living a more peaceful life that where they're not on so high alert. Man, to be honest, I wish I had, I wish I, I had an answer for say, just saying, you know, do it on your own. You'll be able to decrease some of it. Maybe go out in nature. Nature is super loving. Nature helps us naturally come back here. You know, a beautiful sunset will bring you back into this moment. A tree, a flower, that'll help. Exercising helps because you're doing something with that energy. So again, you're kind of activating your body. You're, you're healing your relationship with your body. Yoga. So if you don't have access to therapy, there's tons of yoga videos. It, to me, it sounds like you should first make sure you're even more than the regular person who maybe has not experienced trauma if you have experienced trauma, maybe you need to be even more healthy with your lifestyle choices, who you surround yourself with and the environments that you're putting yourself in. Well, you need to, I, if you've experienced trauma, be gentle with yourself. Cause I've had, I have clients that are, that have experienced trauma and they'll say, you know, I just, I don't know. I can't be here. I can be in the present moment. You hear all these, all these, uh, memes and all these sayings of just be in the present moment. You know, just think positive. And, and so people will start double victimizing themselves and saying, I, there's something wrong with me because I can't do these things. And it, no, it, you experienced something, something from outside of you came in and, and made you feel very unsafe. It's not, you're not broken. We just have to help you feel safe in the world again. 
So be really gentle with yourself. Start finding ways to kind of heal your relationship with your body. Start loving your body because the body really is the gateway to the present moment and trauma. The first thing it does is want to make you run from what's happening. So yoga, breathing, you do breath work. Yeah. Breath work is helpful. All of that is really helpful. If you do have access to some kind of therapy, go for it, please. Because if you can have another human being be there with you, we are social beings. We just are social beings. So if we are with a human being that we feel safe with, we're, our defenses are going to go down a lot more gently. And we need that love from each other to help root us and to help us say, okay, okay, fine. Like, I'll be here. There's another human that also is here for me. You know, we can do this together. We're just going to respond much faster to that because the traumatized mind it just wants to run away from itself. So if you don't have access to therapy, start utilizing the tools that are out there on the internet for free to start healing your experience of being in your body. And it's a little more difficult without a person, but you can start doing some things. You can, again, the yoga, the breath work, there's tons of videos on YouTube that are free. The self-compassion, once you understand why you can't you don't feel safe being in the present moment you can kind of bring in some compassion put your hand on your heart and tell yourself you know you're uncomfortable but you're safe right now you're not in that place your body thinks that you're still in that place so start reminding yourself you're not there anymore you're here as much as you can kind of reemphasize that fact of you know you're here get a weighted blanket weighted blankets can be really helpful So all in all, we went into a trauma tangent, but that's really important because we're going to talk to you guys about letting go of control. We have to show you how to feel safe in your body first. So during this time, what it sounds to me is that we need to turn back into our bodies more than ever. And that's really the only way that we'll be able to mobilize ourselves in a way that is going to take us forward in a very healthy manner. Uh Uh-huh. And... Engage with your community if you have that available to you. And I would also add that society has given us this linear timeline that we all need to follow, these steps that we need to follow. And it's consistently told us that we have to accomplish a certain amount of things. And I know right now there's another question like survival. I'm just trying to survive during this time. But at the same time, I think something that's bringing a lot of control issues bringing out a lot of control issues right now is that everyone's plans are getting really derailed and that linear timeline is being broken down of they need to have a certain job or certain things at a certain time or certain experiences or certain experiences and what it's showing right now once again is that at any moment life is going to really teach you that We have no control over any of this. So even if you want a plan or even if you have these visions of what you want your life to look like, at the end of the day, how I see life right now and my time here on earth is that it's really meant to be experienced in every way that it comes. Mm -hmm. It's a gradual unfolding. I was looking through my old posts from like a year ago. I was just going through my archives and I, I made a post. I love when I get lessons from my past self to my future self. And I saw a post that I did in my story that said, I forgot who was the first person that said this, but it's it might be a Cartoli. 
engage with this moment as if you had chosen it. Yeah. Engage with this moment as if you had chosen it. And then the next thing I said was, because the sooner that you can get yourself to do that, the sooner that you'll recognize the lessons that are here for you. So it's in our best interest to do that, to get into that place of acceptance as soon as possible. Because the longer that we stay in the place of fighting and shoulds and it should be this way and I can't believe it's this way and so on and so forth, we're going to be in such a place of resistance that we're not even going to be able to see the lessons and the gifts that are here. Right. And this reminds me of when we did that coming into 2020 episode where we talked about how both of us went through some crazy times right before that. And we found ourselves at that present moment at the beginning of 2020 really happy with how everything turned out. But we never could have predicted that and just like we never could have predicted this current moment of what we're going through but we can't predict what's going to happen a few months from now we really don't know yeah so how so yolo people (laughs) only live once live now how do we change our relationship to that to control we have to guys we have to it's either that or massive anxiety and panic attacks and insomnia and insomnia so hopefully some of these tools were helpful and we hope you guys are doing well out there we really do we love you we love you if you know anyone or have any friends who maybe maybe they need to hear this episode or maybe they need to hear our codependent episode we had before this one we've been getting a ton of great feedback on that yeah people love that one so send it through this is a time where so at the beginning of every episode We open, before we start recording, we open, we clear the space and we kind of open a portal from, this is what we believe. If this is getting too woo-woo for you, I'm just giving you a little insight of what we do. (laughs) Behind the scenes. We create a fire. (laughs) We dance around in a circle and chant. Burn three rats. (laughs) So sad. No, we don't. Um, So what we do is... We don't do that. But I wasn't lying about the portal. So we create a little portal and we say, whatever messages need to come through at this time, allow us to be open and unblocked for whoever needs to hear this. We try to be as open as possible in the hopes that... I mean, always, we're always going through evolution and we're always opening our minds more and more. And when I say we, I'm talking about you guys listening too. I, but I think right now, especially, we're going through a heightened sense of opening our minds and really learning a ton of lessons. So we're on the fast track. We want to share all of these messages with everyone and send them send them through we can all do this together we can all heal together we can all learn together open up together easy anxiety more together and just learn to really live learn to really live 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 (laughs) all right you guys tune in every monday at 6 a.m est we love you yes be kind to yourselves out there and i will follow the reason why i didn't talk about my ayahuasca episode oh i know you guys really want to hear it because (laughs) i'm just sensing it from my heart is because it would have taken us on a whole different that's tangent. true that so would have been a whole nother thing I that's wanted, coming i really we wanted to talk about control today and that episode will come very soon and if there's other topics too that you guys want us to cover hit us up dm us pretty We're mental open. official on instagram all right love you bye bye